Hello and welcome to the ID Talk podcast. My name is Peter Counter, and I am the Editor-in-Chief at Fine Biometrics, where October is Financial Biometrics Month, presented in association with our premier partner, Money 2020. The financial sector has been the front lines of biometric and ID verification evolution for nearly a decade. And that's why today I am pleased to present my conversation with Thomas Emirati, Chief Revenue Officer of Onfido. Onfido is one of the leading pioneers in digital onboarding, and in this interview, Amirati reflects on his company's pioneering activities in the financial sector and how that success can be repeated in other verticals like healthcare and enterprise. It's a fascinating conversation that touches on everything from face biometrics to fighting account takeover fraud, and it gives a full picture of one of the most active and exciting spaces in biometrics and identity. So let's jump right in. Here is my conversation with Onfido's Thomas Amirati, right here on the ID Talk podcast. I'm joined today by Tom Amirati, Chief Revenue Officer at Onfido. Tom, welcome to ID Talk. Peter, thanks so much. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, fully appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. My first question for you is about the front lines of identity innovation. Finance is really at the forefront of biometrics and digital identity evolution, and it's transformed dramatically in the past five years. From an identity and authentication standpoint, how has the financial industry adapted to the use of biometrics and identity verification since Onfido became active in this space? Yeah, it's a great place to start, Peter. So, you know, what might be unique for the US market has been actually quite prevalent in the UK for some time. Uh, with the emergence of fintechs, uh, these disruptive financial institutions that are very, very popular uh, across Europe, but particularly in the UK, London is known as the capital of fintech, whereas many of us here as Americans, myself a native New Yorker, knows New York as the capital of traditional banking or financial institutions. So as a result, uh, Onfido, which was founded and our, our corporate headquarters is in London, we serve that market quite well uh, with respect to identity verification and digital transformation. If you think about regulatory pressures such as open banking, uh, which swept across Europe starting in the UK, uh, but is late uh, to have an impact, if at all, in the US market. So number one, there's regulatory pressures relative to the markets, uh, most notably in Europe and starting in London. And these challenger, what we call neobanks, are having an impact on the more traditional banks uh, across the globe and particularly in the US. And as a result, it's forcing the more traditional bank to be more digitally centric. And what that means is it has a trickle down effect to user experience, as well as security and privacy, which you know, we'll talk more about, I'm sure, through the course of this dialogue, because it's really about maximizing user experience at the highest level of security and privacy. And then when you think about what has occurred most recently, uh, unfortunately, over the last year or so with COVID and the pandemic, uh, it is now driving the, the need for digital access, whereas Perhaps a year or two or three ago to disrupt digitally was sort of innovation or innovative. 
now to have optimization of digital access for services and goods, and in this case, financial services, it's table stakes. You have to have great frictionless, high degree of security and privacy, highest degree of user experience to gain access digitally. Now, it, it is required and it's going to continue to transform from everything as basic as gaining access to entering a branch to making money transfers. Uh, or as an example, uh, I was speaking with a large investment firm recently and they talked about the need for their relationship managers to continue to do business with people around the globe where in the past they would fly face to face and develop relationships, get to know them face to face. But now they have to uh, accomplish that in a more digital fashion. And there's many stats that prove this out. Uh, the, the American Banking Institution and Association talk about how traffic in and out of uh, community banks and branches has fallen by at least 30% in the springtime and year over year down between 20 and 30% since 2019. So it's having an impact, as they say, from Main Street banks in small communities to the largest banks in Wall Street in Manhattan and around the globe, particularly with these challenger banks. Mm -hmm. It's very, very fascinating to see, especially when you're embedded in the industry, to see that all of these trends did exist. And then, you know, as soon as March came around this year, everything just started accelerating and it pushed a lot of these legacy players to have to make these jumps. My next question is, what are some of the biggest challenges that Onfido has addressed in the financial sector? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question because it's a multifaceted answer. Um, you know, first, what Onfido does is really centered around anti-fraud and detecting fraud. So, you know, number one, our core technology uh, is based around biometric detection of fraud. And we do that by taking a, a selfie of a, of a person, of a human, taking a, a selfie via a phone and correlating that and detecting fraud between the facial selfie and the government ID. So number one, that's, that's not easy. It sounds easy, but it really is not because the fraudsters, as you probably are aware, they're, they're always detecting new ways of committing fraud and gaming the system, if you will. And there's constantly multiple threat vectors and different dynamics around hacking a system. And in our case, detecting fraud via a government ID or a facial biometric. So number one, to do that at speed with minimal friction, with the highest degree of accuracy is always going to be a challenge during normal times. And now due to COVID, number one, and number two, with the advent of digital transformation in the digital age, a firm like Onfido is being asked to do this at greater volumes, at greater scale, with greater performance, and the risks or, or the, the, the risk versus reward uh, is getting higher and more substantial because as we talked about earlier, more individuals are leveraging digital access in banks, large and small, more than ever before. Uh, you know, three, five years ago, the demographic that was most likely to open a bank account online, you know, via a mobile device was somewhere in the age of 18 to 30. Well, now because of COVID, that has changed. So now the demographic and the, the target profile for these large and small financial institutions to leverage uh, their products digitally 
has gone from 18 to 70 years of age. It's not uncommon for someone who's new to using a computer, let alone using a mobile device, will be managing their savings and checkings account and perhaps their investments in 401k when they're they're much older in life than perhaps the uh, younger generation who is more accustomed to using technology. So it's a combination of the acceleration of this adoption, number one. Number two, the, the broadening demographic that is requiring this technology and seeking it at, at scale and at pace. And then number three, uh, the fact that this isn't easy because fraudsters are always evolving and these threat vectors are always changing. And then lastly, we help firms become compliant with all sorts of regulation because around the world, it's less common in, in America, but very common in Europe and Asia around the world around being compliant, having different laws for KYC and onboarding and naturally anti money laundering. So there's a, um, a multifaceted sort of challenge to what Onfido does to serve our global community. And we truly are a global firm with employees and customers from Singapore to San Francisco and everywhere in between. And lastly, you know, there's one thing I would like to point out is we've noticed a trend. The firms that leverage a biometric onboarding uh, system for identity verification, again, correlating a facial biometric, capturing a facial biometric and correlating that to a government issue ID. The firms that do that and do that effectively, securely, ensuring privacy and at the highest level of customer experience, typically onboard customers faster. And as a result, they're able to acquire more customers, uh, new customers, as well as increase the satisfaction of their existing customers. So this is very important uh, because the demand is high, the fraudsters are ever present, and the importance of firms like Onfido to do this right is so critical. Well, you know, speaking of, of doing it right, and also sort of in this line of this theme of transformation that we're, that we're sort of speaking around, as the financial landscape continues to change, you know, there are new regulations, use cases, and changes in public perception around biometrics specifically. I'm wondering, what is the key to maintaining the leadership that you just described as a provider of digital onboarding? It's so interesting. I've been in the tech space now for 25 years, which every time I say that, I know my colleagues cringe and I cringe as well because it means <laughs> uh, where's the time gone and, and I, I look a lot older. But I remember the days of mainframe and I like to talk about the milestones in technical computing and, and, and I've, had, I've enjoyed a great um, sort of career in this business. And I, I think of these milestones. It started with mainframe computing that evolved into client server. And then along came the internet and then cloud computing. And along those journeys, they were milestones in technology, but they were also milestones in how we live our lives and the impact uh, of our lives. And I believe the next major milestone is the concept of the digital age. And because the digital age is impacting every one of us across all elements of our personal and professional life, what that means is that technology never stands still. 
And as we talked about the impact of financial services, and we talk about biometric verification, identity verification via biometrics, the next wave is complex. And it's complex for a number of reasons. When you think about, again, these three cornerstones of user experience, security, and privacy, there's so many things that impact uh, and have a bearing on those three cornerstones, if you will. So what we're finding in the market is that firms and customers, consumers like us, we want to have our identity correlate to a single system of record. So what we mean by that is that when you call your large bank and you might be talking about your mortgage, you might be talking about your investments or your savings account, you want them to know who you are. You don't want them to know just that you're a savings account customer if you have a large relationship with them. And one of the ways that we're seeing the market evolve is this integration of your identity and having someone's identity that then allows a firm to take that one single identity, that single system of record to serve you better. So that Tom Amirati is one Tom Amirati within their whole view of Tom as their customer versus me having multiple identities if I logged on as Thomas uh, or perhaps using my middle initial or just my initials. So number one, it's integrating with some of these partners, uh, identity partners, CRM partners like Salesforce in the identity space, Fordrock, Okta, Transmit. And what's interesting is just this week, we've seen an additional proof point to this as a well-known identity provider in the space, they're roughly 20, 25 years in business, just acquired um, a PID company. PID stands for uh, Portable Identity, also known as Sovereign Identity. Uh, this firm just acquired this PID firm, and it's an example of how this space is converging and how we are going to see a consolidation uh, for the benefit, hopefully for the benefit of us as consumers, which is going to focus on us controlling, having control of our own data, i.e. our own identity, uh, and securing the privacy of that and the use of that. So this is a very dynamic space. Again, it, it is all about security, privacy, and user experience. And then when you layer on top of this, to do this at speed with little friction, you, we're using artificial intelligence and machine learning. And, in, and that is a very challenging in its own right, because as you, you can probably appreciate, machine learning is about training machines to, to see trends and to spot trends. And it's not uncommon to people who aren't familiar with this technology to think about some of the controversy around facial recognition. And it's important as a firm like Onfido to First off, make everyone aware that what firms like Onfido do is we are verifying via a facial biometric, but we're doing that with the consent of the consumer, the consent of the individual versus in facial recognition, also known as security cameras that are just out looking out on the world. We're not necessarily giving consent for those cameras to detect who we are. So number one, what firms like Onfido do is slightly different uh, than security cameras because we receive consent.
But secondarily, it's it's so important that our algorithms are accurate. And it's important for those algorithms to be accurate so that we detect fraud in the most appropriate way. And our algorithms don't misread, whether it be a font anomaly on a passport or whether it be uh, you know, features on people's faces that, you know, quite frankly, can change uh, based on age, based on lighting, based on resolution of a camera, even as uh, basic as, as getting one's hair cut or, or losing weight, you know, through the course of life or, or what have you. Um, so these challenges are constant and it's, it's really about the evolutionary process. Onfido is building the new identity standard for the internet. Their AI-based technology assesses whether a user's government-issued ID is genuine or fraudulent and compares it against their facial biometrics. That's how they give companies like Revolut, Zipcar, and Bitstamp the assurance they need to onboard customers remotely and securely. Their mission is to create a more open world where identity is the key to access. You can find out more on their website, www.onfido.com. And now, back to the podcast. You know, when we're talking about this sort of core identity need that we have and, and how far we've come in providing that in this consent-based model, it's it becomes very apparent that what we're talking about has applications well beyond finance and, and all over you know all over the world and all of our lives. I'm wondering how can the success that Onfido has seen in financial services lay the groundwork to expand into new markets? So I've been in and around the FinServe space the vast majority of my career. In fact, way back when early before I got into tech, I actually worked at a financial institution. And growing up uh, just outside of New York City, financial services, banks have this reputation of being the most trusted organizations in the world. So there's always this belief that if you can serve the FinServe community, then your technology must be excellent because the rigors and demands that financial services place upon their vendors is arguably uh, the highest and most grueling from a security perspective, from a performance perspective, et cetera. So, you know, we believe that, uh, it's my belief that if you can serve FinServe, particularly big financial services institutions, uh, then you must be doing something right. They have the highest level of trust, uh, stereotypically and historically. And with regulation evolving, not just in FinServe, but whether it be in gaming, particularly in Europe, or in healthcare. And most recently with COVID, we're seeing the application or reapplication of KYC, know your customer or digital onboarding, which is what Onfido specializes in. We're seeing those use cases now transport themselves to other verticals. So as an example, we're speaking with a very large well-known retailer who is due to COVID talking to Onfido to solve a business problem around ensuring the right people pick up their groceries curbside or their their consumer goods from a locker you know a curbside locker and to ensure that it is truly them 
as well as purchasing alcohol online, which obviously has age verification implications. And that those individuals need to be verified uh, in a digital way, in a safe, secure way, uh, and then pick up their, uh, their goods curbside or via a locker. And you know, I just want to go back to my earlier comment for a moment about the, the major milestones that I've seen over the last 30 odd years in tech. If you think about, I'll give you a, a, an example. When you think about mobility uh, and the internet, I mean, when I was a boy, we had rotary phones and then rotary phones became, hey, cool, you've got a touch tone. And I, I do, I'll date myself. I remember early in my career, mobile phones didn't exist. I was a young sales professional without a mobile phone. And think about today, we can't live without our mobile phones. And we expect to have mobile phone service anywhere we go or most anywhere we go around the world. And who would have thought 25 years ago that you could transfer money at any place or time of the day via a mobile phone? Uh, it's an extraordinary evolution that was derived by consumer need and technology and it was driven by uh, mobility. And now this digital age is going to, I believe, uh, continue to drive this evolution of, as we say, uh, these new frontiers. And it's, I think it's going to transcend all verticals and financial services, like in so many technologies, is the leader uh, in proving this out, is my belief. You mentioned healthcare when you were talking about some other industries. And Onfido has worked with Delphin Health to bring digital onboarding to health data management. And that manifested in the form of the new Clarity app. How is this healthcare application similar to the financial use cases that Onfido has helped pioneer? Healthcare is extraordinary. And I'll, I'll talk micro and then macro. What Onfido is doing with Delphin is, is similar to, to what we're doing uh, with our FinServe customers in the sense that it's accelerating in a secure, seamless way the, the onboarding uh, of folks, uh, in, in customers of Delphin or patients of Delphin. So it's accelerating that, it's digitalizing that, it's making it an easier um, mechanism for uh, patients or consumers of Delphin to receive their services. So traditional KYC and digital access to goods and services. But what's really noteworthy about this is for me, this is just the very beginning of what I'm sure, Peter, you have, we all have, and I'm sure you have seen what's going on in the world because as we, healthcare, at least in the United States, um, has struggled with lack of digitalization. And naturally, there is a lot of uh, scrutiny and bureaucracy and administration around healthcare and getting healthcare insurance and, and paying premiums and, and claims and things of that nature. That's one aspect of healthcare. But now, because which requires heavy degree of digitalization, by the way, it's behind the times, and that's evolving. But what is also driving healthcare, it as again, as I'm sure you've seen in the newspapers and in the news, unfortunately, is COVID. So, you know, now we fast forward to a day and age where having something, a concept of a digital health wallet, much like having a, a, a digital wallet for your financial 
uh, investments, right? Um, think of things like uh, Apple Pay, right? Or Garmin Pay or Samsung Pay, which is a form of, of digital e-wallet. Well, this concept of needing a digital health wallet is becoming very paramount in people's minds due to COVID and naturally how we get back to work, how we get back to travel, how do we allow our children to go back to school uh, safely and securely? Um, how, how do we get back to normal living uh, in a safe and secure way? And you know, this concept of a digital health wallet to, to do our best in the best possible way, uh, try to confirm the status uh, of our health. And it might start with COVID, and then very likely to evolve to things that could really benefit life. When you think about the convergence of fitness and health and technology, um, everything from basic things like blood pressure and uh, vaccinations and whether someone might be diabetic or might have a pre-existing condition, you know, having that in a secure digital wallet can likely help streamline things and provide better services for people. And then lastly, you know, we've been a part of some things, right? We, we have a, a great partner uh, in a company called Clear. Uh, we've been uh, partnering with Clear for um, several years now, and they've done some great work with things like Health Pass, as well as getting uh, some sport leagues back in action. Uh, and as a Canadian, Peter, I'm sure you can appreciate the NHL just concluded its season. Uh, we played a small role in helping Clear um, activate, reactivate the NHL a few months ago. And, and that was really part of this concept of digitalizing a, a health pass. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for that. What are some of the lesser discussed markets that you expect to follow these digital identity trends, uh, especially as the pandemic boosts the demand for digital onboarding? Again, I go back, Peter, to my earlier comment about we are really living through history. This is the fifth major milestone because things like national ID and digitalization of government, state, local, federal government services is not a new concept. Um, there are countries uh, outside of uh, the United States. Uh, Canada has been a leader uh, in this. There are consortiums and groups within Canadian commerce particularly in financial institutions uh, that have created these, these sort of think tanks and partnerships around digitalizing IDs and digitalizing uh, verification of IDs, whether it be motor vehicle departments in the United States who are digitalizing um, their businesses or their processes, national ID cards. Um, and there was a recent uh, webinar that Unfido participated in with several of our partners around e-voting. So again, these aren't new concepts, but they are now evolving rapidly around the world. Singapore just made a recent announcement around digitalization of their national ID. Uh, we're, again, we're seeing it across the United States. Um, there's a handful of states that are digitalizing uh, or hoping to digitalize uh, their Department of Motor Vehicles uh, and converging uh, driver's licenses with, with IDs. I think this is going to continue to evolve. We we just recently seen this digital act known as the Foster Bill in the U.S. Uh, it reminds me very much of uh, it was during Barack Obama's tenure where he created a cybersecurity consortium uh, within his government. It was a team of 
both um, politicians, uh, but most importantly, it also included some of the renowned experts uh, in, in the cybersecurity industry. And this task force, if you will, was created to help combat the vast amount of security breaches that were going on uh, around at about the time of uh, President Obama's tenure. And uh, it was a way to call to arms because these breaches were hurting all of us as consumers and hurting the economy and the businesses around the world. So you fast forward now the impact and the demand for digital access, again, in a secure way, maintaining privacy and ensuring customer experience. As a result, you're seeing something like the Foster Bill and you're seeing government, state, local, federal around the world put some of their their brightest minds around trying to solve this problem today and in the future. Onfido is building the new identity standard for the internet. Their AI-based technology assesses whether a user's government-issued ID is genuine or fraudulent and compares it against their facial biometrics. That's how they give companies like Revolut, Zipcar, and Bitstamp the assurance they need to onboard customers remotely and securely. Their mission is to create a more open world where identity is the key to access. You can find out more on their website, www.onfido.com. And now, back to the podcast. Account takeover fraud is one of the most pressing identity threats in financial services. I'm wondering, what is being done to address that? So this is this topic is we'll bring it it sounds we'll we'll bring it back down to more of a micro level right from where i was talking Mm -hmm. very high level and strategically but it's so important because as someone who spent at least half his career in the cybersecurity space you know this is near and dear to me and and again it aligns with the evolution of of technology identity fraud and i have been a victim uh, just in the last year of having my identity compromised the vast majority, north of 80% of security breaches uh, are due to compromised credentials. And compromised credentials most typically are derived by someone hijacking a fraudster or a hacker hijacking someone's account. And typically they do that by gaining access to legacy email accounts, legacy account profiles, profiles or or email addresses that might be many years old that are residing on a virtual server that might not be patched, might not be upgraded with the latest security technology, antivirus software, et cetera. So as a result, account takeover and identity or or stolen credentials is still the number one uh, root cause of security breaches. And you know all you need to do is open up any tech magazine or go on LinkedIn or follow any of these tech firms that know for the last few years, the the latest buzzword is around passwordless authentication. And as normal people, right, we all hate uh, having to remember our password or reset our password. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, Peter, just think about in the last 30 days, how many times have you been asked to update your password, uh, (laughs) right, for a variety of things? Not only is this inconvenient, but it also poses a threat to your, your your personal identity and your credentials. So what I believe is very much a potential 
is that biometric access could become our password and our username, right? So this concept of perhaps your face being your username and the verification of your face, so that's truly who you are, and a government ID serves as your password. And, and it, it makes it as real and as human as possible. And it, and it potentially, if done right, can be as secure as possible um, because we are who we are. And it, as long as you create the most optimal biometric verification technology, it, it can always be more secure than maintaining passwords uh, as your mechanism to gain access to applications and services and goods. You're, you're already sort of going in this direction, but how do you expect the financial identity landscape to evolve in the coming years? I mean, especially given the accelerated state of digital transformation that we've been talking about here. So I, I think we are going to continue to see the highest demand and degree for digital access. Um, it is what might start with merely onboarding and getting access to branches could evolve into something that we can't even conceive of in the future, M much like tech has evolved. So I, I think this concept of digital access uh, is not going to go away. I think you know the largest banks in the world, traditional banks, traditional insurance, are going to move this way over the next three to five years in mass. Uh, I think that naturally human interaction is so important and will never go away, but you're seeing financial institutions change how they do business. Um, I, 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 we work with many firms uh, in Canada, and I don't know if this has evolved in Canada as it, as it has in the US, but many, many banks in the US are even changing the look and feel of their branches to look less like a traditional bank and more of a place to develop a relationship and ask questions and be very informal. And they're doing so because they're evolving their go-to-market because they recognize and they perceive and predict that many of the actual day-to-day -day transactions will be done digitally. So let me just sort of bring it back to the beginning for you. We, we started this conversation, one of your earliest questions was about, you know, the financial services uh, vertical and how I, I commented that, you know, if you're successful in FinServe, it's so noteworthy because they require the highest degree of trust. And, you know, look back at the movie, the, 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 the great movie, uh, the, the Christmas time movie, right? Um, with uh, Jimmy Stewart, you know, the role of credit unions and community banks and large banks, the role that they play uh, in our day-to-day -day life and in our communities is all rooted in trust. You would go to a branch and you would know the bank manager and you would know uh, the man or woman behind the counter who you would see every day or every Friday when you cash your check. And they got to know your families and your, your children and you you may have uh, developed a relationship with them when you bought your first car or your house. And it's rooted in trust. And it's rooted in that human interaction of sharing something very personal, which is your, your life savings, potentially, or your home and your mortgage. So now consider what's happening all these years later. That's being replaced with digital access. But yet now banks are physically planning on still having a physical location, but the interaction is going to be so dramatically different 
than what I just described. And that's really, to me, a fascinating thing because you're seeing technology. Once again, you're seeing technology influence life. And part of it is because life is driving technology to accomplish that or achieve that. But 360 degrees around, think of the impact it has on our lives, much like a mobile phone. Now we can essentially live and do such extraordinary things off our mobile phone, which we never thought was possible 25 years ago. So to me, it's, um, it is both a fantastic opportunity that we get to live through this next sort of age and wave, but it's also littered with some really vast challenges that are important. Again, those three pillars, customer experience, security, maintaining the highest level of security, and of course, so importantly, maintaining privacy and control of our identity um, and, and our data. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. And I'm very much looking forward to this uh, wonderful life that biometrics is going to, to bring us forth into. Um, just to wrap up here, Tom, how can listeners contact you and Onfido to learn more about what we talked about today? Certainly. So onfido.com uh, is our website, www.onfido.com. You can reach me um, on LinkedIn, Thomas Amirati on LinkedIn, uh, my Onfido website, thomas.amirati at onfido.com. Uh, Peter, really on behalf of Onfido, want to thank my team, Katie Burns, for organizing this. Uh, but on behalf of Onfido, thank you so very much for the opportunity. I hope in some small way uh, I was able to bring value and share some uh, pertinent information uh, to your listeners, but really grateful for the opportunity to speak with you and address uh, your audience. Likewise, I can't, I can't uh, say enough good things about this. This is a fascinating conversation. I learned a lot uh, and I've been working in this industry for quite, quite some time. So uh, really, really great. And I hope to have you back on ID Talk in the near future. Thanks, Peter. And so concludes my conversation with Thomas Amirati, Chief Revenue Officer at Onfido. To learn more about the topics we discussed in this episode, visit onfido.com. And for more Financial Biometrics Month featured content, stay posted to Find Biometrics. I'd like to thank Tom once again for joining me on today's episode. Our podcast theme music is by Logamrad. I have been your host, Peter Counter. Thank you for listening to the ID Talk podcast. Mm-hmm.